0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real Talk with Real People sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe on the edge of every day. Thanks for listening.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining me on the edge of every day here on talkradio.nyc. Tonight, we are live in the hive with author and witch Amanda Yates Garcia for our 48th episode entitled The Edge of the Underworld. For those of you who have become loyal listeners, thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and my guests. Our numbers keep growing and I have you to thank. I couldn't do it without you. Please continue to share this podcast with friends and family and take a moment to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Sandra Bargeman, On the Edge of Every Day. And if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the edge. If you like what you hear and you want to check out my past episodes with my inspiring guests, you can find them on talkradio.nyc, on your favorite podcast platforms, and on my YouTube channel, Again, Sandra Bargeman, On the Edge of Every Day. This show is about pushing boundaries and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful those places where we are resistant to change, those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and in our understandings, both internally and collectively in the world around us. Listen, we live in edgy, tumultuous times and people are complex. The more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, Can help to change the world so thanks again for tuning in and without further ado it is time to introduce our guest tonight amanda yates garcia is an american witch author healer and medium among other new age practices and is known as the oracle of los angeles she is also a full-time witch and life coach She has seen thousands of clients and led nearly 100 public workshops and ceremonies. Her work has been featured on the front page of the LA Times, in the New York Times, the London Times, the San Fran Chronicle, on CNN, Fox, Glamour UK, Goop, as well as interviews in literary journals like The Believer and Triangle House, to name a few. Amanda has a background in somatic work BFA in dance from University College of London and narrative theater MFA in writing critical theory and film from Cal Arts and she has lectured on witchcraft at UCLA Cal State Pomona UC Irvine the Hammer Museum the Getty Museum MoCA and many other cultural institutions In 2019, she published her first book, Initiated, Memoir of a Witch, with Grand Central Hatchet. Since then, it's been translated into six languages. She is the host of the popular podcast, Between the Worlds. Hello, Amanda. Welcome to the Edge of Every Day.
2: Hello, Sandra. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It is truly a pleasure and as I like to share with my guests how I meet or like I share with all of my audience how I meet my guests and I haven't met Amanda in person only on zoom and on social media and I was completely drawn in and laser focused on her work once I read on her Facebook page that she was taking a break from social media and the way that she talked about it really deeply resonated for me. Um, She just talked about needing to take a break from it and how it was sucking all of her energy and she didn't want to jump through hoops. And so from then on, I was really tuned into all of your work. And so, yeah, and you are not on that. You are on Oracle of Los Angeles. Now you're not on the original page with, that I used to follow, um, Amanda Yates Garcia, right?
2: Um well, so I have two Facebook pages. I have uh I think at Amanda Yates Garcia and at Oracle Valet. One mm-hmm. of them is a personal page and one of them is a business page, but I never really go on them anymore. I, I haven't really been on Facebook for maybe like six to eight months. Mm-hmm. I do um, have an Instagram account. Yeah, that's pretty poppin. <laughs> but uh, but I also <laughs> just launched uh, Substack at Amanda Yates Garcia. And that's where I'm really going to be focusing my energy now. I really like Substack because it's a platform that's oriented towards writers. So I can go a little bit more deeply into the things that I'm really interested yeah. in rather than having to spend but my time figuring stories. out the algorithms for... Yeah. Why Facebook people occur. like
0: what they like. Yeah, He's, it's maddening. Exactly. It's, it's such a part of our world. How to navigate that? But so I, uh, I'd like to talk about right before we um, jumped into this conversation. I pulled a tarot card and a rune. And for my listeners, I'm sure you all know what tarot is, but you may not know runes. And it's a divination tool that uh, has a long history dating back to uh, Germanic and Nordic tribes. I'm by no stretch of the imagination and uh, an aficionado of, or um, somebody who knows tarot or runes deeply. I haven't studied them, but I certainly pull them often and go with my intuition. And I pulled Ace of Rods, which is also ace of wands for those of you listening in. And the rune that I pulled was goose. You can't really see it with these green screens.
2: It looks kind of like the drawing of a, like a taffy with a wrapper on it. It's a diamond and then it has a little V hat and a little V skirt.
0: Lovely. That's, yes, like a little taffy twist, yeah, it's lovely. Well, and the word that came up with both of them, I'm going to let you wax on them, but the word that came up that I really clued in on was fertility.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: how that is so apropos to one of the things I want to talk about with you with witchcraft and something that's very alive in my life, and that's cronehood. And the beauty of the juxtaposition, the edge of everydayness of fertility in alignment with cronehood. And I just love that image of, you know, we're always birthing. It's not just mothers. It's we're always birthing. So can you speak on on that in terms of your knowledge and how that might reflect what's going on in your life or in the world right now?
2: yes well anytime that you pull an ace in the tarot it it's a big yes you know it's the ace is ace is just a big yes to whatever is happening or whatever your question was and my question was t-
0: what do i need to know about my conversation with amanda yates garcia
2: so there's some big yeses going to happen in this yeah conversation. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> but also um So the aces also represent the distilled, or you might say the essential oil, the essential spirit of whichever suit you find them in. So the ace of wands is from the suit that represents fire. Wands are tools of transformation. So if you think of a wand and what it does and how it functions for witches, you use your wand to point to something and say this out of all of the other things that are in this room or in my life this is where i'm directing my energy this is where i'm directing my attention and then wands are an agent of transformation so you're pointing at whatever Thing you're directing your energy towards and saying this I will to transform and so fire is associated with will and passion and creativity and that creative spark and inspiration and the warmth uh, and heat of action it's a very active force and in fact in uh in In witchcraft it's called the upward force because as you'll notice, if you were look to look at a flame of a candle burning or if you were to look at a fireplace you'd see that the fire goes up and reaches upwards and there's nothing that you have to do to make it do that right it just has this active living upward nature. And so. When the Ace of Wands appears, you're getting a big yes to creativity, a big yes to inspiration, you're getting that energy of the suit itself. And fire is about transformation, fire transforms. If we apply fire to water, it transforms it to air, you know, if we tra- if we apply fire to ice, it transforms it to water. So. The the heat of fire is what is what makes it an agent of transformation. And so and also of course the the wands also relate very much to eroticism and sexuality and um, eros desire. Um and of course ingus, which is the rune that you pulled, which has that shape of a of a diamond, is corresponds in in many ways to birth. It's a passageway. It's a, it's a conduit. It's a hole that something comes through. So it is very <laughs> vaginal, you might say. And usually witches use that rune as a kind of punctuation mark at the end of a spell to say, yes, and now we're birthing this into the world. Mm-hmm. And so when you get something like as phallic as the Ace of Wands, which is you know, like a flaming phallus <laughs> that's showing up. And so you get the Inga's rune, which is that birth canal. We definitely do have a very generative principle that's coming forward. Something that's suggesting there's a the spark of life here. There's power here and it will come forth out into the world. So listeners look out because something is being born right now into your very ears. Oh yeah.
0: Well, and I think, you know, uh in terms of what we're birthing on the earth right now and the need for witches and the need for witchcraft and our understanding, our deeper understanding of what that is with, you know, I certainly don't wanna say, uh, I'm not really into the rise of the feminine and and the, the masculine. I think we are moving into this much more, fluid understanding of all of the embrace of all of that but in terms of the power that women are stepping into in the times that we are in and watching and you must see it in the resurgence of witchcraft and um and 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 the word that you used willpower and how that relates to our understanding of witchcraft and when i think of you know, magic and witchcraft. I think a lot of people misunderstand it as manipulative and and full of willpower, when indeed that that's not the nature of it. But we're gonna take our break, and when we come back, we're gonna address all of those things. What is the nature of witchcraft? What is the nature of Magic. What is the nature of enchantment? And it's and our need for it in the world today. When we come back with Amanda Yates Garcia on the edge of every day, stay tuned.
3: Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday.
0: with Amanda Yates Garcia and we're going to pick it up with so what is witchcraft what is magic what is enchantment
2: yeah well these are all fat questions questions. (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, on a basic level witchcraft is the art of changing consciousness at will that's uh, a quote from Dion Fortune, who's one of the grandmothers of witchcraft uh, Mm -hmm. as uh, transmitted through Starhawk, another founding grandmother of the craft. Um, And on the surface, that seems like something that might be fairly obvious. What does it mean? You know, we know what it means to change consciousness. But in fact, it's actually quite difficult to do that. And so the tools of witchcraft are used in order to help us do that. But I want to explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. To change consciousness at will, first, you have to recognize where your consciousness is. And most of us have trouble even with that. So it means recognizing what you're thinking about how you're observing the world, how you're relating to the world. And, you know, in Other spiritual traditions, for instance, Buddhism, you might meditate in order to become aware of how you are relating to the world or how you're seeing the world, how you're thinking about it, because otherwise you just do it. You're on automatic pilot. You're not really recognizing that you have a choice, that you have agents. Yeah. So you're, you're just experiencing, let's say if you're experiencing depression or you're experiencing anxiety, or you're experiencing um, ambition or desire, whatever it is that you're experiencing, You we, normally we experience it and then we go with it. It's like we get on the mit- motorcycle and it drives us all around and we just do what it says. We do what our first inclination tells us to do. The problem with that is that our first inclination is usually not what we innately would will to do, but we are being brainwashed and urged to make our decisions based on what our culture, our our family of origin, patriarchal
0: the, culture. The,
2: the patriarchal culture, colonialist culture, white supremacist culture, all of these things, what that culture urges us to do, because it has been essentially brainwashing us since we were children. And before we even went to school, we're affected by our parents and how they have been um, rooted in this culture. And we're rooted in our family culture, which of course, as we know, as feminists, you know, the personal is political. So mm-hmm. if we just do what our first inclination is to do and we don't question it, then we, the tide of capitalist colonialism Pulls us out, and we are lost in that, so essentially, witchcraft is a series of tools that you might use in order to find your agency to find your power, to find your own personal and authentic will that is in alignment with the collective will so the the anima mundi, the spirit of the world right the so our will our true will our our true nature is um often precluded or made invisible by uh the the dominant culture in which we live and so the techniques of witchcraft help us remember who we actually are then once we recognize like oh for instance i feel like i'm not good enough let's say we're having that thought there's something wrong with me there's something wrong with the way i look there's something wrong with my job there's something wrong with what i have there's something wrong with my relationship and we're just in that place, then the first thing we wanna do is recognize, do I like to be here? Is this where I want to be? (laughs) And if not, how do I transform my state into something uh, more beautiful, more pleasurable to me, something that inspires me? And the way that this works is according to field theory. So it's not causal, right? It's not like you wave your magic wand and it causes directly, like Newtonian on Newtonian level. It's you not know, the, things. It's not changing. hocus pocus. <laughs> yeah. Instead, it changes the field of energy around you. It changes the way that you interact mm. with the world around you, it changes you from the inside. And therefore, because we're all connected to everything, it changes everything around you. So it sort of ripples out into the world around you. And as witches also, so that's one aspect of witchcraft, that's about the practice of witchcraft. But as about as far as the philosophy of witchcraft is concerned, I believe that witchcraft is an emerge is the emergent spirituality of the anima mundi or the 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 spirit of the world, mm. and so that spirit is trying to communicate with us, mm. and we as humans um have a gift for being able to you know work creatively to build tools to um to deliberately and intentionally change our environment. And that can be used for for good or for ill. And I feel like the spirit of the world uh, has taught us witchcraft in order to help us remember um, what she, they will for us. Mm -hmm. And so that we can listen to that will and then um, perform it, do it, execute it. So those are really the two levels of witchcraft. But I also want to say, you know, witchcraft is an anarchic tradition. It's a folk tradition. It is not rooted in a specific book or it doesn't have, you know, the head person like a pope. It's, It doesn't have anybody who can really tell you you are doing it right or you're doing it wrong. Yes. And therefore, you know, I don't have the final word on what witchcraft is. I can only really speak to what it is for me and and how I engage with it and what works for me. But I can't really say what it is for other people and nor can anybody else. If you're out there listening yes. to other witches yes. and what they say and they're telling you that you're doing it wrong. Um, nobody can tell you that. Nobody can tell you that you are a mm-hmm. witch except you. You are the one who makes you a witch.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I... I... I teach this, I I model this, hopefully, I speak about it here, the sense of non-hierarchical relationship to spirit. I mean, that's why I would call myself a mystic. And, you know, I love to sort of fool around with, I mean, this this is potentially the witch in me, um, fool around. and, And when I was first in seminary talking about, yeah, I'm going to seminary. And people would just kind of look at me and be, you know, can this does not compute and the notion that yeah that's because I, i'm not trying to be anyone of authority within my spiritual quest i'm simply fascinated by the spiritual quest in general and i want to explore all of the ways people expand themselves witchcraft being one of them and and helping people to understand what it is and to you know, uh, d- demystify it. Um, I think a lot of my listeners probably d- believe, it, understand that it's a connection to um, to nature, et cetera, You know, understand that it's part of my belief system. In fact, I did a an entire show on on um, on the archetype of the witch on Halloween. But um, but yeah, this the sense of agency always agency and so and reenchantment being the as i understand it you know the understanding that all things all of life is sacred but this the notion of doing all of the internal work and then bringing it out into the world in action in physical action is you know is that how you would define enchantment
2: so when we speak to the word enchantment on a basic level enchantment is the property of making making something sacred so Mm -hmm. to enchant something is to chant over it for instance Mm -hmm. is to 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 imbue it with sacred properties but that chanting over is actually a way of simply recognizing that it already is sacred, that we live in a sacred world. But it's through our rituals of enchantment that we make the world sacred. In other words, that we come to understand it as sacred. Enchantment and magic are all about relationship and honoring the web of relationships and the connectedness between all life. So that's one layer of enchantment. But the way that a lot of people are using the phrase today comes from, the cultural critic and feminist uh, Sylvia Federici in her book Caliban and the Witch Mm -hmm. which is speaking to the beginning of capitalism and the persecution of witches during the Inquisitions Mm -hmm. and the idea of enchantment in that regard is based on the idea that The world has become disenchanted through capitalism. In other words, capitalism renders everything unsacred. It breaks the connections. It breaks the relationships that we have with our land of origin, with our family of origin, with other people in our culture, between generations in our culture, between us and the quote-unquote natural world. It severs those connections and then sells them back to us because we are then isolated, alone, afraid, because all of our connections have been severed and humans are uh, animals of relationship. And so also through that severing of connection, it makes it so that the world around us is not sacred, right? A tree is not alive. It does not have a consciousness. It is only valuable as a means to Access capital. We can liquidate, quote unquote, the value of that tree. So we cut it down, we turn it into, I don't know, like a cheap IKEA bookshelf or whatever. And then we have transformed that tree to something that is completely valueless because it's just standing there doing nothing into capital. And that is the process of disenchantment. But as I was saying before, if we don't do the work of enchantment, then we are sucked out with the tides of disenchantment. Mm-hmm. So, because everything in our culture is pushing us and propelling us towards this feeling of disenchantment, this feeling of a- alienation, this um, disconnectedness from each other, from the world around us, then we have to have practices that reconnect us. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have those practices, how are we going to do that work? Amen. Amen. We 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 won't be able to, and it it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to practice witchcraft and that's the only oh, way to course. do it, but it is one
0: effective way. Indeed, and we're going to talk about those practices in particular in particular ritual when we come back on the edge of every day with Amanda Yates Garcia. Stay
5: tuned. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism?
0: with amanda yates garcia i before we dive into those practices i want to talk about how the witch is, as is and as an edge walker the 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 witch as as we spoke about i said in my uh my halloween episode the witch is the veil between between the otherworld and the underworld between the light and the dark she's the fence rider the veil speak to me about the the comfort of a witch within these liminal spaces this dance between polarities if you will speak to me about your understanding of that and teachings of that
2: yeah so traditionally witches lived on the outskirts of town. And, you know, as medicine people, they were in charge of mediating between the realms of civilization or the realms of the people and the unseen realms, which would be the realms of the ancestors or the realms of the imagination, the realms of the woods and the, the dark. And the hedge also, uh, is built into the history of witchcraft in the sense that when witches were persecuted in uh, the medieval period, or, you know, the transition into moder- modernity. Um, the reason for that was because of the enclosures of the land that had been held in common by the public, and the landowning classes enclosed that land and essentially forbid it, the general public from grazing their animals there, or being able to plant crops there which meant that they starved unless they worked for these landlords essentially and many of the witches who were accused of witchcraft were older women who the crones lost access to their livelihoods right they couldn't graze sheep on collective land any longer and they couldn't uh be hired by the lords to do like farm labor because they were elderly so they would be you know often become beggars and um then if people denied them their requests for milk or meat or bread they would then accuse these women of casting spells on them for instance, making their babies sick, or making the cows die, or making the milk curdle. But essentially, that was a misplaced guilt over this shift within the culture. And also the older women, the elderly women, were the ones who remembered the old ways, and that there was a collectivity beforehand. And of course, you know, if any executive goes into a new company they want to like get get rid of the old guard get rid of the people who knew the culture before right yeah. you kind of fire everyone and then bring they in new people so there's that political aspect to the edge walking in the sense that they literally were outside of the hedge right they yeah. they were outside of Push that the boundaries <laughs> they were on the other side of the boundary exactly yeah. but also They were the ones who could travel in trance Mm -hmm. to the realms of the other world, uh, which is where we encounter the ancestral beings, the fairy Mm -hmm. beings, the elemental beings, um, which is essentially about a shift in consciousness. So, you know, witches are shapeshifters. They can travel as crows. They can travel as wolves. But what that really means is that they are able to shift their consciousness into the bodies of other beings and they can understand the world and see the world from the perspective of plants of animals of wind and and that skill is extremely important if we hope to be able to survive the imminent ecological collapse that we're all experiencing to be able to shift your mind so that you're not isolated and cut off, but that you are someone who can walk between worlds and recognizes the plurality of being. Um, A lot of people think if they don't know witchcraft very well, or if they haven't been exposed to this kind of thinking, that that it is ridiculous. (laughs) You know, this idea that a witch might be able to travel between the worlds or to travel in the mind of a raven or something like that would seem like absolute fantasy and fairy tale. It's a completely different way of viewing the world, though. And our world today is straightjacketed into the specific ontology, which means uh, a way of seeing reality that is absolutely limited to this scientific, rational, measurable, essentially white supremacist perspective, which says there is only one reality. And it just happens to be the reality that White that I'm pushing <laughs> powerful men exactly experience. just happens to be mine, yeah. <laughs> so it just happens people, to be status
0: quo's way, yeah.
2: Across. It just happens to be the one that you know the people who have all the guns and money think, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the tools of witchcraft are ones that help us. Um, travel between the worlds and uh, move into the realms of the dark of the unseen of the imaginal worlds um, which are not measurable no and are not documentable and cannot be recorded and replicated in you know blind studies yes
0: indeed well i would think some people in, in today's world are kind of seeing that that they're getting on board with, you know, quantum physics and such that that there's so much that we don't know about the mind um, that, yes, you can shapeshift. And yes, it is possible, you know, but, you know, we're not going to go down the scientific rat hole right now because I want to get to ritual with you. Um, as per usual, there's always a million questions and a million things that I want to talk about. But but I, I, I must move us towards ritual. And I, I as a tool uh, for the, you know, like edge walking, like the dance of polarities, the liminal spaces, that's what ritual is. And that as a tool for witchcraft, for anyone who engages, myself, anyone who engages in ritual, the, the, the power of the transformative power of ritual. Speak to us from the witch's standpoint about ritual.
2: Yeah, so what ritual does is it signals that we're moving into a different reality. Yes. Because ritual is different than the things that we're just ordinarily. Doing so, you know, normally we're you know walking to the cafe to get a coffee, or we're sitting down and we're answering our emails, or you know, we kind of blindly go through the day sort of on rope. But ritual signals to our unconscious minds, to our muse mind, our child mind, or you know, our dreaming mind that we're shifting into a different state of consciousness. So, for instance, when you walk um with the you know with you when you walk diosil which is with the direction of the sun in in a circle three times ringing a bell and saying the names of um, let's say all your ancestors that you remember or all the um plants or trees in your neighborhood or you call in the elements of the fires and the air and earth and water and then That is different. That is not something you do all the time. So not only are you uh, sort of acting out and signaling to your consciousness that something different is happening now, but you're also doing it physically and actually creating that space. So you walk in that circle and then that circle is created through doing that. And that circle becomes a porthole where you can connect and communicate with unseen realms and you can enter the realm of the imagination and you know the imagination is the portal to the spirit world so we have to do these imaginal acts in order to enter into the spirit world so you can take any object and transform it into a Magical tool, essentially by using your imagination in the way that you relate to and interact with this object so that the object, because you're relating to it, becomes subject, becomes living. And it's then through that living awakening that the object moves through, transmutes into, that we awaken within us this sense of interconnectedness and ability to... Uh, communicate with the world and transform the world around us. So rituals are going to involve usually things like casting a circle, calling in spirit allies, um, offering signs of gratitude or giving offerings, uh, stating our intentions, doing a ritual act, whatever it is that you decide that might be uh whether it's candle magic carving carving words into a candle or you know sprinkling a poppet with salt or whatever it is that you want to do and then uh, thanking the spirits again and then closing the circle is usually like what a basic spell or ritual would entail i mean there's many ways to do this and this is um just one of them
0: i love it Well, we have to go to a break soon, Um, but I do want to touch upon the certainly your book initiated memoir of a witch. um, Which we will include places where you can get this book in the show notes, I finished it and it was I devoured it absolutely devoured it and loved it. But I want to touch on the the edge between performance art and ritual. And we're gonna be going into our last quarter. So we can't spend too, too, too much time on it, but I do wanna touch on that because it's so uh, a a favorite edge of mine. Um, And I also, when we come back, want to, um, to share where people can find you and what your leading edge is these days. When we come back with Amanda Yates Garcia, We are back with Amanda Yates Garcia. So, oh, the reclamation of ritual and the need for it in today's world as we are being called forward, all of it, and Earth, Mother Earth is calling to us, and the spirit of the world is calling to us. One of the ways in which I have done that is to blur the edges of ritual and theater, And in my show, The Edge of Every Day, which was a solo show before it was this podcast and weaving in spiritual concepts with music, which is the song that you're hearing when we enter into our conversation. And um, But the whole notion of combining, you know, ritual isn't theater, but theater is ritual mentality. Um, And so, and I know that you've combined it with, and you've you had a um, an interesting reaction to your Oracle of Los Angeles. Did you set out to make make that um, more as a performance art, or were you genuinely trying to educate on ritual, etc.? What was the the intention of that, and then uh, what turn, what did that turn into?
2: Can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Initially, yes, uh, because I came from a background in the arts. Mm-hmm. I started doing public rituals as an artist, but my work and my understanding of what I'm doing has changed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Many. It has changed radically in my you know, decade or more, 15 years or so of doing this work, probably. Mm-hmm. So now I come to understand it this way. Ritual, witchcraft, spell work, there is no witness. There is no spectator. Everyone is a part of this, that's right? It's not, it's not something that we engage, that we look at, that we spectate on as an audience um, from... A, a position of aesthetic distance. So when we go to a performance, for instance, at a theater, you know the lights go low and they go dim, which is in itself a ritual, and maybe the curtain opens, and then when we're spectating on something that is happening on a stage, and there is you know the fourth wall right between us and the view uh, between the performer yeah, they, and it can the
0: be director. broken too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sh- sure. You can you can break it, but the But the thing is, with ritual, you're always breaking it, I think, if you're doing it successfully. Now, Other people might argue with me about that, because I know a lot of witches who do ritual as performance, and it is still Mm -hmm. a sort of um, spectatorial practice, I guess you might say. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, no. I think that, that ritual is... Is an act of transformation, and you will be transformed if you participate in it. And you must participate in it if you are there. You will participate because you necessary because everything in the proximity does. So even if you resist it, there is a essence of participation. So don't go to a rit- witch's ritual if you don't want to participate. Basically, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if Indeed. you don't want to be transformed, don't go. <laughs>
0: go well I, a good rule of thumb don't go to a ritual period
2: <laughs> if you don't I mean, want to
0: transform
2: would, don't want those to... rituals
0: <laughs> uh, and that brings of course up intention and and we just don't unfortunately don't have time i'm gonna i want you back on the show where we can dive way deeper into all of this stuff but anyway so what what are some of the older generation thinking about the the newer generations coming up? How witchcraft is evolving? We don't have again a, a ton of time left, but I do want to touch on that. But I mean, you know, how are the older generations even thinking about ritual and the edge of performance and how witchcraft is evolving?
2: Well, I think one of the ways that witchcraft is evolving is through the youth of today have a really different understanding of, for instance, gender inclusivity, um, intersectionality, mm-hmm. and uh, cultural appropriation. You know, their awareness of those kinds of things is much stronger, and they're doing a lot of work to um, democratize and make uh And to, to reclaim space for, you know, difference in a way that I feel like, you know, for instance, my mother's generation, which was part of the rebirth of, of witchcraft in the 70s, um, my mother is a witch, you know, really comes out of, uh, you know, second wave feminism and women's consciousness raising circles and stuff of the 70s, which were doing really important work. But I think that the understanding of gender was um, different. Perhaps necessarily so, um, given the context, was quite reductive by today's standards in the sense of, like, we have an essential idea of what a woman is and what a man is. And, you know, um, those those circles, I think, were important for people at the time, but they also didn't allow for different understandings of gender and uh, also had a lot of cultural appropriation problems, I think, because witchcraft um, is to a large degree a reconstructionist practice and so we're often taking from um many different traditions but my practice now is to to draw from the traditions of my people of my genetic lineage um yeah so i think that those are some major ways i also think uh you know there wasn't the internet <laughs> when I was really starting, or when my mother was doing this work, you know, you couldn't, there was no witch talk. You know, there was no blog post telling about Between witch the talk. world's so podcast. There was no Between the Worlds podcast. So um, I think it was much harder for people to access in a way. And absolutely. But there's the, also the, the power that
0: you stepping out in the way that you're stepping
2: out. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's, it's kind of which came first, the chicken or the egg? in terms of you know the, the fact that you call yourself a professional witch is yeah. fantastic i mean that's like a political statement for real, it is. and, yeah. and like
5: jamming
0: and you know and I, I there were a handful you know listen i was not a part of that second wave i was a little <laughs> too young but you know just on the tails of it but yeah no i didn't um But yeah, no, you absolutely. The the web has inter it's really given platform. To all of this new understanding.
2: Absolutely, it has. Mm. And it's allowed for people to see that there are many ways of doing this and has really increased the visibility of witches. And I think because it's allowed witches to speak publicly for themselves when Mm -hmm. historically, most of the time when you were hearing about witches, it was from the mouths of their enemies or from the mouths of people who wanted to dismiss them. So maybe the religious right or um you know anthropologists or who are essentially saying that this is a, a dead practice or trying to disprove it in multiple ways, or um people who were making fun of it or saying that, that it wasn't real, but never actually hearing the witch's voice, her or themselves. So now you get to hear the witch speak in at least for in my case, in my own voice. And I would imagine that it's not what people expect because people have this idea of what a witch is, Indeed. but they don't actually know anything about what witchcraft is. So it's been my experience that, for instance, many a time when when I'm being interviewed by, you know, bigger publications like, you know, the New York Times or whatever, that people have this idea of what witchcraft is and they they ask you questions about it in order to get you to conform to their own idea of what it already is but they don't actually know anything about it so they're asking you questions that are really unreal irrelevant to So because they think they already know right they're like oh they always say things like oh oh, you're a witch where's the word on your nose how come your skin's not green because their understanding of what a witch is is drawn from you know the movies um but witchcraft is so much more than that and to me that's Really, a beautiful opportunity to be able to speak about it in our own voice and have people understand and see it from our perspective. Well,
0: I am thrilled that you have been speaking in your own voice on the edge of every day about it, and I thank you so so much.
2: I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure.
0: So let's let's review for our listeners. We have Angeles dot com.
2: Yeah, oracleoflosangeles.com. That's my yep. website. You can also find me at Amanda Yates Garcia on Substack or at Oracle of LA on Instagram. Yes. And uh, yeah, you can book a session with me if you'd like to go in deeper. You can also listen to my podcast, Between the Worlds podcast, or buy my book, Initiated Memoir of Witch. You can get that pretty much anywhere books are sold.
0: Yeah, Amen. And I, again, I, I I just have to tell everyone, you know, I loved the the review where it said it was a cross between. I forget the other book, but with Clarissa Pinkola Estes's um, "Women Who Run with the Wolves," which I got at the age of thirty, and it became my bible. It was yeah. ridiculous. I just yeah, it's more notes. It's so than good. Words. <laughs> so really good. It's really beautiful. So good, but that yeah. but they said your book was a combination of that with something else that I did not know, but I thought how yummy and delicious and indeed your book was yummy and delicious and your vulnerability the power of your writing and the weaving of mythology into the book uh, along with your experiences in the underworld and your initiations it was really quite a ride and thank you for that
2: no oh, thank you i'm so glad that you enjoyed it and um it's a real honored to know that it was in your hands Aww. Well, any, any last
0: uh, quick words of wisdom for our listeners, Amanda, before we say goodbye?
2: Um, if this has sparked anything in you, uh, there is a pathway for you. And if you're cu- curious about witchcraft, uh, you get to go at your own pace and you get to decide what is right for you. And, you know, spirit has been calling you and you can tune into your own heart and it will direct you to the right answer. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Big birth. Big birth. There we go. Fertility. (laughs) That's what this podcast is all about tonight.
4: Well, Amanda,
0: thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show and for sharing your wisdom and your insight and your magic.
2: It's my great honor. Thank you so much for having me, Sandra.
0: And for those of you who are listening, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Remember, you are always. On the Edge of the Miraculous. See you next
5: time. This is our